Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Lloyd Willis with today's lesson. Good morning, Sabbath School members. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we need the guidance of your Spirit in our study. So please be present with us and bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice we're on language, text, and context. Different ways in which we're looking at the Scriptures and our responsibility to read them, study them, and understand them, how to interpret Scripture. We're very privileged that in a world that has so many different languages, more than 6,000 plus thousands of other dialects, there uh, is no other language that has so many translations of Scripture available as English. There's one and a half billion people who have no portion of Scripture in their first language. So we are greatly privileged. In English, there are more than 450 different translations. So we have no excuse for not reading and understanding the scriptures. Christianity is defined as a revealed religion. That is, God has chosen to speak to us and reveal himself to us. And so we can understand him insofar as he has revealed himself. And going to the first text in the, in the uh, lesson today, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and, 16 and 17, which we have read before, uh, is a, uh, uh, a statement of Paul to Timothy telling him to be responsible in his uh, reading of Scripture, study, belief of Scripture, and sharing it with others. Notice that we should always look at the the context, and see what is happening there. So Paul is instructing Timothy, be faithful with the word. And these are some of the words in verse uh, 16. Well, if you go back to verse 15, it says, From infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then the famous verse, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, or the NIV says, is God-breathed and is useful. So what's it useful for? For teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. For what purpose? Verse 17, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the scriptures were given for a purpose, and the purpose is to give us insights and an understanding of the ways of God and his love and grace. If you go back to Deuteronomy 32, you have an interesting statement from Moses there, Deuteronomy 32, verses 46 and 47. And the context here, it has just recorded the, the song of Moses, which is the, the blessings that God wants to give his people his watch care over his people, and uh, an exhortation to be faithful. It's also in the context, which we see back in chapter 28, of the blessings and curses. God wants to bless, but there are also warnings that those who, who turn their back upon God and go into idolatry and other forms of rebellion, that they will be in trouble. So what does Moses say here 
in uh, verse chapter 32, Deuteronomy 32, 46 and 47. Verse 45 says, When Moses finished reciting all these words to all Israel, verse 46, he said to them, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. You need to take them to heart so that you can share them responsibly with your family. And then verse 47. They are not just idle words for you. This is the NIV. They are your life. By them, you will live long in the land you're, you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You'll live long uh, if you are faithful to these things. So uh, the word of God is available to us. We should treasure it and pass it on. Now, uh, words have their meaning and... Uh, in, in particular, in Hebrew, there are some words that stand out. And two examples are given in the lesson today. Two beautiful words that are so rich. The first is the word chesed, which can be defined in many ways. It's the idea of kindness, grace, um, mercy, and the depth of God's love for us. Whole books have been written on this word explaining the depth of God's mercy and love for us, as indicated by this word that occurs very commonly in the Old Testament. A second word of equal importance is shalom. And shalom means, we always say, peace. But that, that's just part of it. It means, and you, you remember the Hebrew, the Hebrew uh, as, as they are leaving, they say, uh, Shabbat shalom. It's, may you have peace on the Sabbath, but not just peace, so many other things. It can mean peace, wholeness, good health, prosperity, well-being, even salvation and success. So may you have shalom, not just on the Sabbath, but especially on the Sabbath. So understanding some of the Hebrew words and, and their richness is very rewarding. Now, as you proceed in the lesson, you'll notice that it talks about different styles of writing and uh, some of the patterns that emerge in the study of the Scripture. The, uh, the Old Testament has about one-third of it being poetry, and that's surprising to most people because it's only since about 1950 that uh, English Bibles have started putting the poetry in poetic form so that the verses stand out and you can tell that it is poetry. But in the Old Testament, there's, for example, Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, also large portions of Isaiah and Jeremiah. So we have a lot of poetry. Now, why is it important for us to recognize this? Because Hebrew poetry has some distinctive marks to it. One is the idea of repetition. And that's pointed out in the quarterly. Repetition, especially in the format of its statements by parallel. So we have uh, a number of types of parallelism. The two main ones are synonymous parallelism and antithetic parallelism. Synonymous parallelism means they say something 
and then they say it again in different words. But it's essentially a repetition of the idea for reinforcement, to make the statement stronger. Uh, we'll, we'll look at a few examples. Um, Proverbs 3 and verses 23 and 24 uh, are both good examples of synonymous parallelism. Proverbs 3 and verses 23 and 24. So look for this when you're reading in the scriptures. Any poetry that comes from a Hebrew writer suspect that there may be parallelisms there. And here are a couple of examples. Uh, verse 23. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. It is still saying basically the same thing for emphasis, for uh, reinforcement. And verse 24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Repetition of the same idea, but in different words, so that it's more interesting than if it simply repeated the same words. But don't build too much on the differences between the two statements, because they are essentially synonymous, stressing a similar idea. Uh, another example is in chapter 4 and verse 4. He taught me and said, Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Lay hold on it and you will live. Keep it and uh, commit to it sort of thing. In uh, chapter 9 and verse 10, and, and there's many of these, not only in Proverbs, but also in Psalms and so many other places. In uh, Proverbs 9:10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Stating it again in different words to reinforce the idea. The uh, antithetic parallelism is where they say something and then put it sort of the idea in opposites. So uh, they usually have a but there. Do this, but this. So you'll see the contrast in uh, Proverbs 3.23. Just going back to chapter 3 again, there's a good one. Proverbs 3.23, it says... Ah, chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. It's the first part. For it is the wellspring of life. Oh, that's synonymous. So what was my antithetic one? Well, here's one. Proverbs eleven twenty-eight. 28. There's so many of them. You'll find that when there's a but in the middle, it's probably expressing the alternate idea of the antithesis. So Proverbs 11:28 says, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Quite a contrast. And uh, verse uh, 17 of the same chapter. A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble on himself. Verse 18. The wicked man earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. So look for these and remember that they're essentially saying the same thing, even the antithetic. It's just putting it in a, in a contrasting form. But uh, don't make too much of the differences because they are essentially reinforcing each idea. So when you are interpreting 
poetry in the scripture, uh, be careful about using that to reinforce doctrine. It's not that it doesn't express doctrinal ideas, but when it's poetry, there's more metaphor and, and you've got to look at it in its context to make sure it is really bringing out the point that, uh, that we may be wanting to support. And uh, that is interesting because, in fact, some of the clearest statements on the state of the dead in the Old Testament are in the poetic books. So don't ignore them, use them, but back them up with other statements from other writers as well. Let me illustrate. In Job 19, it uh, is referring to the, uh, to the resurrection hope. Job chapter 19. And the whole of uh, Job, except for the introduction and conclusion, are poetry. So Job 19, verse 23. Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead, or uh, and lead. We've discovered archaeologically that inscriptions in rock were very often reinforced with lead driven into the into the crack that had been made in the rock so that it would last so much longer. That's what it's referring to here. That they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead and engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. And there are other statements in, in Job as well, where in his desperation he still has hope, not for the present, but ultimately because his hope is in God. Psalm 146 and verse 4 again expresses this idea that when you die, your breath goes forth, you return to the earth, in that very day your thoughts perish. That's using the King James translation of that verse, Psalm 146 and verse 4. So it's saying, uh, while, you're, while you're alive and conscious, you have thoughts. When you die, they are finished. Likewise, in the, uh, the poetry of Ecclesiastes 9, it uh, gives us, in Ecclesiastes 9, 5 and 6, references to the... Uh, uh, let me see here. 9... And here it's talking about the destiny of the human race. So look at the context and make sure that uh, you're uh, justified in using this to support a, a biblical teaching. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live, do live dog is better off than a dead lion. Interesting the way it puts it. Verse 5, for the living know that they will die. But the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. And verse 6, their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. So it's in the context of looking to the, to the future and the destiny that we have. And so 
they are poetry, uh, they are valid to use to support the concept of the state of the dead and the idea of a resurrection, but support it with other passages too. So go to the New Testament, John 11, 11 to 15, where it's talking about the death of Lazarus. And Jesus clarifies, he says he's asleep. And the disciples say, oh, that's all right then. And then he clarifies, no, Lazarus is dead. And then he goes to awaken him from, from death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the whole chapter on the beauty, the wonder of the resurrection as built upon the fact that Jesus has overcome death. So because he rose from the dead, we have that hope also. Likewise, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14, and, and up to, uh, I think that's 17, 19, uh, these passages are also referring to what happens when Jesus comes and the... Uh, the uh, uh, hope that we have that is in contrast to uh, those who have no hope because they don't understand such things. So poetry, use it understandingly and, and make sure that you understand the, the repetitions. There's other repetition as well, as pointed out in the quarterly. Um, for the Hebrew people, repetition was especially used for the character of God. Holy, holy, holy. We see it in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. We see it in Revelation, especially in chapters uh, uh, 3 and 4 of Revelation. So uh, repetition, remember that for the Hebrews that has a special significance. Uh, reinforcement and uh, uh, emphasis. Even in the book of Daniel, you have repetition. Daniel 2, the concepts are repeated in chapter 7, but enlarged. And then in chapters 8 and 9, and then in chapters 10 to 12, each time it repeats some of the same idea, but enlarges, especially uh, as we have studied it recently in the last quarter. Uh, another thing, too, we should notice that there are parables. Jesus loved to teach in parables. But if you try to apply all the aspects of a parable, you'll get yourself into trouble. Uh, parables were meant to teach one point, one basic truth. And if you get into the details and try to push them, you'll get into trouble. The rich man and Lazarus, you would say, if you applied all of that, that uh, heaven and hell are within calling distance. And that's certainly not true. So... Uh, Look at what uh, the major point is, and that is that it is in this life that we make our decisions. There's no second chance after this life. It's in this life that we do it. The story of the persistent widow and the unjust judge. God is not like that. It's a contrast. The, the judge eventually gave in because she persisted. But God is so gracious that he is in contrast to that judge, so the story in Luke chapter 18. Um, another thing that we need to note, and I've referred to a little bit, is that context is always important in the Bible. Make sure you look at the context, uh, take it seriously. The context within a verse, and the context within a chapter, or a paragraph, and within a book. And as you do that, uh, reading the book uh, as a whole is a good, good way to start and proceed. 
we mentioned biblical theology. So this is a plug for biblical theology. What is the book saying? And what is this argument or this point within the theme of this book? Don't ignore the other kind of theology, like systematic theology. We need to do that too. But uh, biblical theology is extremely important. In the quarterly, on the very last page, uh, there's a wrong reference here. It says, uh, Great Controversy, chapter, uh, page 9. It's actually page 7. It's part of the introduction, so it's given in Roman letters, uh, VII, page 7. In his word, God has committed to men the knowledge necessary for salvation. The whole scriptures are to be accepted as an authoritative, infallible revelation of his will. They are the standard of character, the revealer of doctrines and the test of experience. Yet the fact that God has revealed his will to men through his word has not rendered needless the continued presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. On the contrary, the Spirit was promised by our Savior to open the word to his servants, to illuminate and apply its teachings. And since it was the Spirit of God that inspired the Bible, it's impossible that the teaching of the Spirit should ever be contrary to that of the Word. Read the introduction to Great Controversy. It is quite fascinating. So we're privileged to have the text, the Bible, and to have it in English, in good translations, to read it and study it carefully and responsibly. Dear Lord, thank you for your Word. Guide us through your Spirit as we study and continue to try to understand every message that's in it and apply them to our lives in Jesus' name. This podcast is a service of the University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.